We thank you, our Heavenly Father, for your presence in this place. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for visiting with us as we've sung praises to your name. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for resting and abiding in each one of us who have trusted in Christ. We thank you that you, our God, have revealed yourself to us in such a way that the truth of the gospel struck our hearts at just the right time, at just the right place, caused us to turn to you in repentance, acknowledging our sin before you, seeking your forgiveness through the precious shed blood of Christ, and you saved us. What a mystery. What an amazing thing you've done for us. And that's why we're in this place this morning, Lord. There should be no other place for a true believer to be on a Sunday morning than in the house of worship. And we thank you, you have drawn us to this place by your grace and your mercy and the work of the ministry of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we've learned all this about you from your word. We'd be fools not to open your word this morning and hear you speak to us. Fool says in his heart there is no God. Lord, we're acknowledging that you are God, so you have changed us from being fools to being followers. So, Lord, as we open your word this morning, may you and the ministry of the Holy Spirit prepare our hearts and our minds to hear and to receive the truth that you have for us this morning. We thank you and praise you for these things in Christ's name. Amen. So I entitled this message, Oh Give Thanks. Oh Give Thanks. And as I put that on the top of the page of my notes, the next thing that came to mind was, so how are we doing? How are we doing in giving thanks to God these days? I think we can all say that this year has been different and unusual. It has got us out of our normal routine and comfort zone. We are now quarantining ourselves. We are now housing ourselves. We are now not going anywhere. And if we do, we have masks on. I mentioned one day at the house, it'll be interesting to me that our governor will all of a sudden demand everybody go to the hospital and have a mask sewn on permanently. I'm praying that doesn't happen. The days that each of us have lived has been filled with uncertainty, doubts, and fears. From fears of a virus that has affected many and voices telling us this from far far and over. Voices we have heard from people telling us they have the answers to all the troubles we face as a nation. 
And I must say, months ago, I stopped listening to those voices. Months ago. Because it caused so much confusion and frustration. I didn't know who was telling the truth. Have you ever thought about that? Who is telling us the truth? I'm here to tell you who is telling us the truth. God is telling us the truth. So I stopped listening to those voices, not knowing if they're telling me the truth, and I started, I tell you, these last few months have been wonderful. I have spent more time with God and his word and learned more about him than I have in my 40 years of salvation. God has been so good through all of this, and I'm hoping you're experiencing something to that degree also. He's drawing us to himself. He has a plan for us. We may be wondering what the days are going to be ahead. So let's turn our listening ear from the voices of the world to the voice of the God we are worshiping here this morning and who knows what the next day is. He already knows it from far beyond before creation. He knows what November 30th is going to be. So why don't we just turn to him and, and seek his advice and seek his face and desire to know what he has for us. God has told us about every day we have lived in 2020. Psalm 118 and 24. This is the day which the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Sad to say, some of the days that I have experienced since March have not been days of rejoicing and being glad in it because my focus was off of God. But once he started to bring my focus back to him, every day was a blessing. Every day was, was a day that I could seek out something to rejoice and be glad in, simply because God had made that day for me, as he made it for you. He made it. You know, we, we look into the future. We think we have days ahead. We make plans. We make appointments. But we have no idea of if that day, two weeks from today, is ever going to happen. God showed me a long time ago that every day is a day he creates second by second by second. It's never been before until he creates it that second. It put a whole new perspective on every day that he gives us to live. Have you truly rejoiced and been glad of the days God has blessed us with this, in this year? He has blessed us with these days. Thomas Watson, in his work, A Godly Man, states, A gracious soul is thankful and rejoices that he is drawn nearer to God, though it be by cords of affliction. I wasn't looking for that statement. I was just reading more into that book that I got on the computer, and there it was. Just as I was looking for material for this message, there it was. A gracious soul is thankful 
and rejoices that he is drawn nearer to God, though it be by cords of affliction. Think about it. We are wrapped up in cords of affliction these days. Whether it be health, whether it be the condition of our nation, the condition of this world, it's affliction. So, God has been drawing me away from the voices of confusion to listen more intently to his voice and bringing a comfort and peace through all this turmoil. And because you find yourself drawn to this place today, God is drawing your hearts to himself to remember all he has declared about himself and all that he has done for you. He is still at work. He has not stopped. He has not taken a vacation. He hasn't sat down and scratched his head and said, oh, geez, what are we going to do now? This is not the God we're here worshiping this morning. So, let's give thanks. Let's give thanks to this God. Psalm 92, it is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name almost high, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night with a ten-string lute and with the harp, with a resounding music upon the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by what you have done. I will sing for joy at the works of your hands. To give thanks. You know, sometimes when we gather, which we did in a very small number Thursday, instead of all those guys that were here the end of October, God blessed me with that sight just the other day when I was, I was grieving over the whole family not being with us on Thursday to show me those, my family down here. That was a Thanksgiving feast for us that weekend. But sometimes you, you get in, in an atmosphere where there are people around and you're thinking about Thanksgiving and you're saying, what are you thankful for? Well, I'm thankful for this, that, and everything else. Well, that's okay, but who are you giving thanks to? Who do we give thanks to? It is good to give thanks to the Lord. Not to just say, oh, I give thanks. That's meaningless. God is the one who should be receiving our thanksgiving, our gratitude, our praise. Our text this morning is in Ephesians chapter 5. Similar texts in Colossians, Thessalonians. I've got in my notes starting at verse 18, but I want to back up and start at 15. Ephesians 5, 15. Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Isn't that interesting? Paul writing that in the first century. Has anything changed? <laughs> so then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, 
singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. I, I stopped singing at our last song and listened to you folks sing. And I remember this verse. Sing to one another. You are singing to me. Thank you very much. You sang very well this morning. But it says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody within your heart. That is a key to all of this. It's a heart thing of giving thanks to God. It's not lip service. Remember Jesus said about those that came to him with lip service? They spoke to him with their lips, but their hearts were far away. I'm hoping this morning our hearts are here and alive and active in giving thanks to God. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. There's a progression here that some of the commentators help me see, and hopefully I can help us all see the progression of starting out being filled with the Holy Spirit, okay, but going back up and walking as wise men, making the most of your time. Time is precious. God doles it out by the second. And he blesses us with every second he gives us. Don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. What the will of the Lord has for your life and my life. He has something special for each of us. And he wants to work it out in our lives. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. Without being filled with the Holy Spirit, or even having a portion of the Holy Spirit, we are not true worshipers. Remember Jesus talking to the lady at the well. And the conversation got down to worship. And what did God say, or what did Jesus say to the lady about whom God is seeking to worship him? Those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Speaking truth. And the only way we can speak truth is if God pours truth into us from this book. And in spirit. Remember what it says earlier on in Ephesians chapter 2 about who we were before Christ? We were dead in our spirit. Dead spirits don't do anything for God. True worshipers are those who have their spirits made alive by the mercies of God through Christ and had the truth of who God is and the salvation he blesses us with poured into that heart. Now we can give it back in worship. Always giving thanks for all things. Always. In days like we have these days, it's kind of hard to give thanks, isn't it, sometimes? Depends on who we're listening to. Being filled with the Holy Spirit enables one heart to sing spiritual songs. Singing with your heart to the Lord. This is true worship. Colossians 3.16 Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. So, 
being filled with the Holy Spirit, entering into a time of worship, singing praises and thanksgiving to God for all that he is and all that he has done. I was listening to a message just the other day and they were talking about when Paul went to Athens and he started to view all the, all the idol gods that they had resurrected or put up. And he, he spoke to them about the unknown God. They had a statue for an unknown God. And he said, I know that unknown God. He's the God who, and where Paul started with them, this is a bunch of people who worshiped gods. He said, this unknown God that you are worshiping is the God who's created heaven and earth. That's where he started and proceeded on from there. That's one thing God's done for us. He's created this wonderful world for us to live in. That's just one item we can be thankful for. From acknowledging the God who has blessed us, we now are brought to giving thanks always for all things. Notice that Paul didn't write for all good things. No, both good and not so good things. And when I thought about that, you know, I was reading commentators and all sorts of comments on that for all things, but I was drawn to Habakkuk, chapter 3, the last verses of that prophet's letter. He writes, and, and just see if this isn't appropriate for our day. Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, Though the yield of the olives should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls. That's not a very good picture, is it? Listen to what the prophet says. Yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he has made my feet like hinds' feet, and makes me walk on my high places. Habakkuk could have focused his attention on the barrenness of the land, not producing anything. He ended up fixing his eyes on the Lord, and all of a sudden, I rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. So we give thanks, and we give thanks to whom? As it says in verse 20, to God and Father. Let us make sure we direct our sacrifice of thanksgiving to the God who has made us for his glory and pleasure. He is our heavenly Father. Psalm 100 and verse 3. It's the psalm of thanksgiving. Know that the Lord God himself, know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. He has made us, we have not made ourselves. And the phrase that popped into my mind when I put that in the notes, that verse in the notes was, you ever heard somebody saying, well, I'm a self-made man. Look out, that guy's destined for a terrible fall. I mean, look at some of the multimillionaires that have ever lived on the face of the earth. 
I think of Howard Hughes. The end of his life, he was a mess. He could have bought anything he wanted. He was a recluse, a hermit. He didn't take a bath, didn't wear clothes. So what was all his money doing for him? Nothing. But God has provided for us beyond measure, even if everything around us is empty. I thought I'd make a list of, well, what could we stop and consider to be thankful for to God? I want to leave that up for your homework. Today, as you're eating lunch and you're being sustained by the food that God has provided for your table, give him thanks. Thank you, Lord. For every breath you take today. Thank you, Lord. I thought about it this morning. His creation. Thank you, Lord, for gravity that you created. It keeps me on the ground. Un unlimited number of, things, number of things we could give thanks to God for. And how is this accomplished? How is this accomplished in verse 20? giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is our great high priest who intercedes for us before God our Father. 1 Timothy 2.5 For there is one God and one mediator also between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Our great high priest, the priests in the Old Testament were the go-between between the normal guy on the street and God. And he ministered in the temple for them. They would bring sacrifices and the priests and the Levites would handle that in presenting that sacrifice as an act of worship for this common man. That's what Jesus does for us. When we offer up thanksgiving, he presents it before his Father. So, here we are, a people giving thanks to God for all that he is, all that he's done for us. Now what? We're going to get up and go out of here. We're not going to spend the rest of the day here, right? I'd love to, but I don't think we will. We're going to be rising from the worship of our great God with thanksgiving in our hearts, and we are now to carry out our duties as believers. Verse 21 be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Serve one another. Love one another. What's the second greatest commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. Even love your neighbor, or even love your enemies, Christ said. Serving one another. And that comes from being in a time of worship like this and going out and seeing the needs that are around us and serve and serve but we can't do that until we have a new heart remember i said way back making melody with your heart to the lord not just your lip service there has to be a change of heart in each one of us 
We are born with a wicked and evil heart. From the moment we were conceived, we've had that. And God knew that right well when he conceived us in our mother's womb. And he had a plan, and his will is that none should perish, but all should come to repentance and believe in Christ. And I believe we're here this morning because God has done that to each of us. He's met us like he met Paul on the road to Damascus. He met us on one of our roads of life, and he stopped us. And he spoke to us the gospel. How? Either reading his Bible, which for me wouldn't have happened, or having somebody read it to me, or being in an atmosphere where there is a message of the gospel being proclaimed, or a friend has come alongside with the message of the gospel. We didn't stumble into this. We didn't trip over it. It's something God planned for each of us. And now we're here together as his people, joining our hearts together for one voice, one heart, one mind, giving thanks and praise to the God of our salvation. A new heart has to take place. And if you doubt that, think about what Paul wrote about who we were. Romans 1, 19 and on, 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them. Within them, you hear that? That's before we're saved. The evidence of God he has placed within us, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. On the day of judgment, there's not going to be one person standing in front of the judge and saying, yeah, but God, I didn't know. Don't bring that excuse before God. The Bible just tells us we're without excuse. Even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. That's where you and I were before salvation came into our lives. We didn't give thanks. Oh, we might have come to church. We might have been good church attenders. We might have sung songs of thanks, but it was lip service. There was no heart involved in it because our heart was still hard and cold to God. Now well, that's a truth that's hard to swallow, especially if you're sitting there and you don't have a new heart. God doesn't want you to stay in your seat with a cold, hard heart toward him. Hear the message this morning. Jesus, we've sung it. Jesus has come and he's died for you. He's taken your sin debt and paid it in full on the cross. You've got to come to God and say, Lord, I acknowledge my sin before you. Please forgive me. Please save me. Or I'm destined for your wrath, which was poured out on Christ on a cross. Even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened even more. <laughs> We're reading in Sunday school about Moses 
delivering the Israelites out of Egypt and Pharaoh's heart continued to get hard after every single plague and the Pharaoh hardened his heart. I don't know how a hard heart can get any harder, but the Bible says it can. So, we need a new heart. We need to be born anew. Jesus addressing the, the, the wise learned man of Nicodemus. You must be born again or you can't even see the kingdom of God, much less enter into it. A new heart, and that's something God does. He causes a new heart transplant. This is new life in Christ and the indwelling Holy Spirit now enables us to truly be thankful and obey God and fulfilling all he plans for our life in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. And now we are equipped and ready as we walk out of this attitude of worship to serve one another. And guess what is the remaining part of Ephesians 5 and 6? How to serve one another in different areas of our life. You know what the first one is after verse 21? Husbands and wives. Husbands and wives. What is, what is the greatest malady in the United States today? The family breakup. The family breakup. And you talk to historians and they say most of the great nations of the world in all of history were broken and fell because of the breakdown of the family. And here we are. Here we are. So now we're in this place. God has drawn us here to worship him in songs, spiritual songs and hymns, singing one to another and to the Lord giving thanks. And we're doing it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God our Heavenly Father. And now it's time to get on with the business of serving one another, starting out into family husbands and wives. Each one of us, as a, as a married couple, has a specific duty and a responsibility in a marriage. And let's not be pointing our fingers at our spouse and saying, well, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. I've counseled, I don't know how many husbands that have come to me and said, you got to do something for me. My, my wife is not doing what the Bible says she should be doing. You know what my only response is? What are you doing? What are you doing? You don't worry about your wife. God will take care of your wife. Husbands and wives, children, family relationships. And then he goes into um, your relationships with your master, your employer, as an employee. It enters there too. It's part of life. It's part of life, serving one another. Be the best employee you can ever be for your employer. Whether he acknowledges it or not, it doesn't matter. He might even fire you. Doesn't matter. You still be the best employee you can be because of Christ. It gives honor and glory to him. So as we continue in uncertain days, may we be the people God has called us to be salt and light in a world going through days of affliction. 
It was interesting. I thought of this hymn. I don't know. You can turn to it if you want to. We're not going to sing it. It's kind of difficult. It's an Andre Crouch song. Through it all. 543, if you want to follow. I'm just going to read the words. Verse 1, I have many tears and sorrows. I have questions for tomorrow. There have been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave blessed consolation that my trials come to only make me strong. I've been to lots of places. I've seen a lot of faces. There have been times I felt so all alone. Anybody been out there like that? All alone? But... In my lonely hours, yes, those precious lonely hours, Jesus let me know that I was his own. I thank God for the mountains and I thank him for the valleys. I thank him for the storms he brought me through. For if I'd never had a problem, I wouldn't know that he could solve them. I never, I'd never know what faith in God could do. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Remember, we have one to look to who has walked in days like today and even worse. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, lay, us, lay, lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You know that, don't you? God has a race for you to run. He set it out before you. Guess what? The psalmist gave us a verse. Thy word is a light unto my path, a lamp unto my path and a light unto my steps. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself. Why to consider him? So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know of anybody in your neighborhood who has lost heart because of all of this craziness going on around us? You might just want to go and pray for them. Pray with them. Don't try to be a preacher. Don't try to preach words to them unless the Lord lays a word on your heart to But we can come alongside these folks that have lost heart. They're, they're in, wrapped up in fear and anxiety. You and I know some of them. Hopefully, we're not one of them. So, may God help us to continue to fix our heart's eyes on Jesus, and he will see us through it all. Through it all. Let's pray. We thank you, our Heavenly Father, for blessing us with this time in your word. We thank you that whatever we're experiencing in life, we can come to the Holy Scriptures and find out you've already addressed it for us. You've already spoken to us about what we're experiencing, and you're the one who can bring comfort and peace. You're the one who can relieve us of anxiety.
I think of Matthew 6, being worrying about our food and our clothing and this and that and everything else. And Jesus' answer to that was, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. That's your solution, Lord. So help us, Lord, to continue to fix our eyes on you, to keep seeking after you in these times ahead, which, according to the prognosticators, it's going to get even worse. I don't know how they know that, Lord, but I do know you know. So we're going to, we're going to grasp onto your hand that you can lead and guide us through the days ahead. Help us, Lord, to hear your voice more than the voices out there. So thank you, Lord, and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen.